Hey guys, in this episode, I want to talk to you about genetics and about the appropriate way of making conclusions with regard to your genetics and, I guess, about things in life in general. Um, but you'll see how this all unfolds. Uh, but I've been forming some thoughts around this topic for a while now. And what eventually sparked me into recording this episode is an article that I've been reading the other day from Alberto Nunez on the topic of weak or lagging body parts. It was a really cool article and it was not so much on the topic of bringing these body parts up per se, but more so on the kinds of things that people tend to lose sight of, or but they should consider before even concluding that they have weak body parts. And there were things like wrong execution of exercises. There were also some reality check type discussions on things such as genetics. But one thing that really caught my eye was this concept of just being a newbie and that coloring your perception. And I think why this part was really cool and were worth bringing up here is because he also outlined that you really can't conclude much about your weak points as long as you are within 36 months of lifting. And out of those 36 months, 24 were outside of a fat loss phase. And he didn't add this, but I'm assuming that the idea of training intelligently all the meanwhile is kind of a no-brainer. So, he was talking about all of this in the context of whether or not you have a lagging body part as uh, first you should milk out your newbie and early intermediate gains as much as you can. And once you have done that, you can start analyzing which body parts are lagging behind and which don't. And I think that this small criteria in place is so simple, yet so useful and so powerful and so applicable to basically any area of life. Because basically what this tells you is that before you make strong downputting claims or conclusions about anything really, but especially about yourself or about something that inherently speaks of limitations that you can control, such as your genetics. First, ask yourself the question of whether you have the basics covered, whether you put the fundamental big rocks in place. Um, Alberto was applying this mental construct for the question of lagging body parts, but you could apply it to your genetics as a whole, or you could apply it to completely unrelated areas as well. For example, I tune into Gary Vaynerchuk's uh, Q&As and little motivational segments here and there, and I love it how whenever someone comes to him and asks a question such as, hey Gary, so I want to create this whatever type of business, but I don't have enough followers and I don't know how to get them, I'm overwhelmed. And Gary just always stops them midway through and just asks, okay, okay, so wait a minute. So how many Snapchat or Instagram stories have you put out in the last month? I'm scrolling through your Instagram. Why don't I see three posts per day in the last month? And, um, you know, you could, of course, argue with him over the specifics of the strategy per se. So is really just posting your Instagram full of stories the best way to proceed with your business? We can discuss that, but where he's getting at is that before you even give yourself the permission to get paralysis by analysis or getting overwhelmed, first do everything and double that of what could potentially work. Same thing if you're a student, for example. You know, before you go to your teacher with your math problem you don't understand and say, I don't understand this, First, answer honestly. Did you sit down for at least 45 minutes over that problem and try to go step by step, identify which steps exactly you don't understand? And if the answer is no, then you haven't really earned the right to say, I don't understand. So I guess you understand my point here. 
And with that, let's talk about your training age and your genetics. And here we need to define a few things. The first thing we need to define is what constitutes having good genetics, average genetics, and poor genetics. Now, here I don't mean your predisposition to having a great physique. Um, for that, there are all kinds of formulas out there, uh, such as Casey Butts calculator, and those try to estimate how much muscle you can expect to gain. There are just simple indicators, such as how big is your wrist, how big is your ankle. But now, I don't want to address that. What I do want to address is how you, I don't know, let's call you listener Charlie, being where you are now, looking back at how long you have trained for, how you trained, and looking at your physique and what you have achieved, how can you conclude on how good your genetics are? And I think that the first simplest question you can ask yourself is, given your training status, as in being a novice, an intermediate, or an advanced lifter, how much are your gains lagging behind compared to what you think you should have achieved? Now, of course, this quickly gets into a muddy territory because a lot of us have unrealistic expectations. But maybe when we look at people who are at our training status, more or less, what have they achieved in terms of physique development and strength levels? And how do we compare to them in, on average? I think that's not a bad way to get a ballpark idea on this. However, it's also worth defining what I mean by being a novice, intermediate, and advanced lifter. And once again, there are multiple formulas and charts out there with what kind of strength levels you should have achieved if you're a novice, if you're an intermediate, or if you're advanced. But in this case, I want to offer a different perspective on this too, especially because I don't really care about strength. Uh, we talk about body composition here. Um, so how would I think about being a novice, intermediate, or advanced? Well, I would say that your newbie gains are the kind of gains that you will make almost no matter what. Or rather, you'll make those gains even if you do almost everything wrong and you barely have even the biggest fundamentals right. You could be permacutting, you could have zero deliberate progression in your training, you could be doing random programs every week, you could eat high protein sometimes and low protein at other times, you'll basically still make those gains. Now, with intermediate gains, I think it's good to split them into two categories, namely your early intermediate gains and then your actual intermediate gains or later stage intermediate gains, which you have to make to get to the advanced stage. So your early intermediate gains, I would define as the kind of gains that you can only make by having at least some of the big rocks in place, but you could still be getting a lot of things wrong. So this would be the example of someone who, for instance, trains progressively, has a basic idea about programming and putting together a workout, but tends to permacut a lot, such as what I did, or tends to program hop a bit too frequently, which is something I also did. But now at least whenever he program hops, then the programs he's hopping onto are all reasonably intelligent at least. And then the intermediate gains or later stage intermediate gains are those where you need to get most things right. You can still do a few things suboptimally, uh, but you can't permacut anymore and expect to make gains at a decently fast pace. You need to have a progression in your training. You can't program hop all the time. When you diet, you can't just crash diet like a madman, etc. You can still get some things wrong, so you don't need to have the perfect training program. You can still have some periods where you're under eating, where you're not sleeping very much, but you need to have more things right at this point than what you're getting wrong. 
And I'd also know that this stage is probably also the longest. And to be honest, if I really wanted to be accurate, I would have divided even this into intermediate and then late stage intermediate. Because for example, some of the people you might also follow, such as Steve Hole from Revive Stronger or Mario Tomic, these guys both have great physiques, both lift very respectable amounts of weight, and you could call them advanced. They might call themselves advanced, and I think that's completely reasonable, but you could also argue that they are still somewhere in that late-stage intermediate zone because I can totally see, for example, Steve Hall stepping on stage five pounds heavier within one or two years or even 10 pounds heavier within five years. And those are not the kind of gains that I would expect from someone that I would call advanced. And I would say similar things about Mario. But the point is, the intermediate stage is the longest of all. And it's also probably the most frustrating because you are definitely too advanced to see visual changes regularly. And you're also too advanced to make linear gains in the gym week to week. And, you know, then when you're at the advanced stage, that's where you basically need to get almost everything right to grow at all. So these guys may gain, you know, one or two pounds a year, which is actually not bad. I mean, if you can keep that up for three years, that's three to six pounds of potential muscle. But they won't be making that if they undereat or if their training and recovery is not on point. So with that, what is the point at which you can start making conclusions about whether you have good genetics, poor genetics, average genetics? Well, there are many ways in which you can answer this, and it can depend on a lot of things. But I think to give a gauge as to the earliest point at which it's even reasonable to consider this, I think Alberto's definition was very good, actually. Uh, about three years of intelligent training and two years of total time in a non-dieted state. And as for what that means, because obviously it's somewhat vague, by intelligent training, I mean generally training in a progressive manner with a reasonably intelligent exercise selection that trains with effective movements all of your major muscle groups. And it's also important that you didn't program hop too frequently, by which I mean that your total training time was generally characterized by at least three, four month long phases in which your exercise selection, rep ranges, and progression methods were largely the same. And we can talk about just that concept in a later episode. And as for spending at least two years in a non-dieted state, that's pretty straightforward. But basically, I mean maintenance calories or higher. Of course, you can build muscle in a deficit, more if you're a newbie, less if you're an intermediate, and you can probably build a very decent amount of muscle at maintenance, both at the in intermediate stage and at the newbie stages. But of course, ideally, you have spent a good chunk of time at least in a small surplus. And if you have done that for at least two years out of three years, that's a very decent setup for making good gains. That's basically twice as much time not dieting than dieting. Could it be better? Sure. But that's an okay starting point. So... If these two criteria are not met, does it mean that you can't conclude anything whatsoever? No, of course, you can still conclude something. So I'll use myself as an example. I've been training for about five years at this point. Uh, Training-wise, I've been training at least somewhat non-idiotically for four years and quite intelligently for at least two years. Now, I still did a ton of program hopping, 
diet-wise, I did basically all the dumb shit you can imagine from doing 20-hour fasts every day to intentionally only eating 80 grams of protein to bulletproof coffee to close to zero-fat diets. So basically all the fads in the world. And, you know, permacutting chronically was only an added bonus on top of that. And on that, if I add together all the time that I spent not dieting over the course of those five years, which I counted up already prior to recording this, my result is about 15 months in total. And if I add together, say, intelligent and progressive training with no interruptions due to injury or especially program hopping, I'll get something like two years. So if you look at these figures, I can tell that I definitely made my newbie gains I probably also made my early intermediate stage gains and probably not much more than that because with this kind of history, that's all you can make. And as for my results, I'm 83 kilos at just over six foot, about 12% body fat. So I have an FFMI of under 22, which for someone training for five years is definitely below average. But with the specifications I just gave, it's not that bad either. So what can I conclude based on this? Well, I can conclude one thing for almost certain, which is that I don't have great genetics. Because if I did, I would have a great physique despite of all of the dumb shit I did. You know, all of the people with exceptional physiques who we can say with pretty good certainty that they have excellent genetics as well. You know, Jeff Nippard, Jeff Alberts, Matt Ogus. These guys, Sure, they have spent a long time training intelligently, but if you ask them about what they did in their first year or two of lifting, they would probably tell you that they did a lot of silly stuff. That's basically the story of almost everyone. But if you looked at pictures of them after their years of doing silly stuff, you would probably already see very impressive physiques there. I saw a picture that Jeff Albers posted on Instagram where he was 17 years old, and he already had a better physique than many people will ever have. So that tells you that these people are genetically very gifted, and I can know for pretty sure at least that I'm genetically not very gifted. But can I know that I have below average genetics, for example? No. It might well be the case, especially if you take into account how injury prone I am, but after having a total of non-dieted lifting time of 15 months and about two years of good training under my belt, I just can't conclude on that. So once again, we come back to the initial proposition. Before you make grand conclusions about topics like this, first ask yourself the question, have I put the fundamentals, the big rocks in place already? I guess you could use the term unturned rocks or low-hanging fruits here. I had several moments of realization like this lately. Uh, one being about my sleep, for example. Uh, I started to get really frustrated because my sleep was constantly shit. I just couldn't get more than six hours of sleep on average per week. But before I would have concluded that I'm just fucked up all over, First, it was worth asking myself the simple questions such as, have I put in place a somewhat regular meal schedule to establish good circadian rhythms? Have I tried keeping my room organized and my bed nicely made? Have I tried not having caffeine after a certain time? Have I tried having a wind down routine and not using the computer close to bedtime? Have I tried going to bed early? Okay, so the answer is no. So first, let's try to do all of that stuff for a week or two at least. And if my sleep is still abysmal, maybe we can start thinking about doing something more serious about the problem. 
Now, once again, does it mean that I could draw zero conclusions based on these occurrences so far? No, I could conclude on something. For example, I can obviously tell that I'm not one of those sleeping machine type of people who, you know, you can just put them down anytime, anywhere, and they can sleep. You know, my best friend is like that. My my girlfriend is like that too, for example. They can just take a random nap in the middle of the day for five hours. They wake up at, say, 8 p.m., mess around a little bit with their laptops, and then go back to bed at 11 p.m. and sleep for another eight hours. I'm not like that, but does that mean that I can conclude that I'm some legitimate hardcore insomniac? No. Similar thought processes that I had with my podcast and my online presence and with a whole host of other things lately. So with that, (laughs) my question to you today is, on the training and nutrition side of things, what is your intelligent fitness age? You know, how many months or years have you spent in total training intelligently and in a non-dieted state? And in a more general sense, what do you think are the unturned rocks in your life currently? You know, have you made some strong conclusion about something lately or have you concluded something harsh about yourself before making sure that you turned all the unturned rocks? And uh, if so, what are those? Hey guys, I just want to tell you again that your inputs for this podcast will help it grow more than anything and your requests, ideas and comments will contribute to awesome content going live on this channel and podcast more than anything. So if you want to contribute, the best thing you can do is to go on Facebook and look up Sustainable Self-Development. You'll find both the page and the Facebook group that is dedicated to discussions and ideas being thrown around. Go there and note down your comments about what kinds of topics or guests you want to be featured on this podcast and YouTube channel in the future. Just keep in mind the general theme of this podcast and my YouTube channel, which is to help people becoming their best selves in terms of lifestyle as it pertains to fitness and general personal development. This podcast is really dedicated to self-improvement, both physically and mentally. So keep that in mind. So thanks again for tuning in and see you next time.